Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Carvery with Alex Dorr. I hope you guys have been absolutely loving some of these episodes and really putting them into practice and trying them on for size. And I hope you really loved the first guest episode with Trevor Reagan from Train Ugly. I had an absolute blast catching up with him about how to learn better, faster, and uglier. And so I hope you guys have been um, testing out some of those things. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different than other episodes. I actually came across a clip. In fact, many coaches and athletes had sent me this clip from a Nebraska Cornhuskers college football player who was in a press conference and in a very respectable but firm way was talking about the importance of buy-in and how some of their struggles are that we have people all over the place when it comes to buy-in to their team. And what I know from being out there speaking and training with other companies is this illusion of buy-in is just confusing a lot of us. And many of us aren't sure how to actually secure buy-in or facilitate people to choose to buy-in. It's a very confusing concept, but we all know it's so important, but we haven't quite cracked the code. And so what I did is actually made an amazing video, at least I think so, on my YouTube channel that really breaks down each one of their pain points with our philosophy. And I want to put that audio out for those of you who prefer to listen, because What I'm going to do is bring in his interview shortly here, and then as I get through, I'm going to talk about how buy-in is actually so important and how it relates to accountability, and I'm going to break down each clip of the interview that they're struggling with and give you some action steps to move forward, and so this can be very, very valuable if you're leading teams in the workplace, but I also hope for all of you guys that are with athletes or around athletes or coaches or parents of athletes please pass this along so they can share it with their teams because I think it'll be a very valuable resource. And if you liked this video, you can also dig into my YouTube channel. I made a video about a North Carolina basketball player on his senior night speech. He talked about a call to greatness that one of his mentors or might've been his parents gave to him. And that's another great video for athletes, coaches, and parents to understand the ego bypass and understand how when As an athlete, we're in low self and we're venting and complaining and we're blaming our circumstances. How just a simple call to greatness from one of our leaders can get us into a whole different part of our brain, identify where we could have impact and save our career. And so both of these videos, I hope, are very valuable resources for any of those people that are working with athletes or you can see the metaphors transition into the workplace. And so let's dive into the clip here. I hope you guys enjoy and uh, let's keep ditching the drama. The way I look at it is you're always going to have some guys on a team that resist buying in. Uh, This coaching staff has set a precedence of what they want, what they expect, and we have a good group of guys that are leading the way, setting the standards, but you always have a few guys that just aren't quite buying in. And that can be the difference between winning and losing games by a few points. Uh, it can be the difference between winning by 30 points or losing by 20 points. You'd be surprised how big of a difference a few guys not buying in uh, can can take on a team. Um, so he's pretty much saying that any guys that aren't buying in, either buy in or move out for the guy who's going to buy in. You know, as, and as, as leaders, we have to step in and make sure we need to hold these guys responsible. Um, sometimes it's just they don't know any better. They don't know exactly how to buy in. They think they're buying in, but they don't really understand what truly buying in means. So we need to set a good example, and we need to hold them accountable. It's, it's just a whole new level. If you succeed in high school, you know what I mean? you got to be ready to amp it up. 
go even harder. It's truly just committing everything. I don't have free time. I'm up from dusk till dawn, dedicating myself to football and schoolwork. Make sure I'm passing my classes and I want to do everything I can. You do an extra stuff. If you want to go to yoga, watch more film. That's what it takes. You don't really get a social life during football season. Either leave it or take it. That's all I gotta say. So as you can tell, this is a big issue for a struggling team right now, and they're working through those that are bought in and those that aren't, and seeing the impacts of it, and he kind of expresses the big impact of it, whether you can lose a close game or get smoked in some of these bigger games. But before I get into breaking down the challenges that they're running into, I want to talk about the most important part, and it's the fact that buy-in or commitment is actually the first step of a whole process called accountability. It's actually one of the four factors of personal accountability. Accountability is actually, it's one of the most talked about but least understood concepts in sports, in leadership. Accountability is really the mindset that results happen because of our actions, not in spite of them. Or in other words, a person that's in a high state of accountability always believes that they can choose their own destiny. Actions they take lead to their results and they never feel like they're at the mercy of their circumstances and they always believe they can find one place they could have impact. What they find with accountability is that it's most correlated to your results and your happiness in life and especially in your sport. And so we wanna be cultivating a mindset that's at a high level of accountability and in order to do that, buy-in is actually one of the first factors and so this is why it's so important. If you look at Sean Aker's research, from Harvard, I think he's been studying happiness for like 15 years. He has shown that your level of accountability is actually more correlated to your happiness than your circumstances. And so if you think about any situation you could be in as an athlete or any program or any you know win-loss record, it's not that situation that is correlated to your happiness or the impact you have. It's the amount of accountability you take in that situation. And that's where you can really lead to having a more enjoyable career and having more impact in each of those situations. And so this accountability piece is so, so important because it's your happiness, it's your results. It's the foundational mindset that is the holy grail. Early on in the clip, this athlete talks about the fact that they have set the standards at the program that everyone is aware of. And then once the standards are set, they've been having some people that buy in and some that don't. This coaching staff has set a precedence of what they want, what they expect. And we have a good group of guys that are leading the way, setting the standards, but you always have a few guys that just aren't quite buying in. Now, a key thing to realize in this situation, especially as a leader, or if you're an athlete trying to help lead this program, is that in any program, the same behavior won't please a high accountable mindset and a low accountable victim mindset at the same time. The way in which you're leading is always going to be ticking someone off and so we wanna make sure you're upsetting the right people when it comes to your leadership. And what that means is that as you are leading your teams or setting the standards, if you set them to reward high accountable behavior, it is going to consistently tick off those in a mindset of low accountability. If you are setting a standard that pleases those in a low state of accountability, you're gonna tick off your high accountables so much so that they might leave your program. And so this is a great start when it comes to buy-in, which is setting a standard that's aligned with the research that cultivates a high level 
of accountability. This is fantastic. And what's happening in this situation should not be shocking and it should not scare anyone. In fact, I guarantee it does not scare their head coach that when he sets the standard, he knows the same behavior can't please a high accountable and low accountable at the same time. So he's starting to differentiate and tick off what looks like the right group. It's gonna be those in a low state of accountability who are not gonna ever choose to buy in. And so that's what I think is playing out at the start here. And so that is a solid foundation. Um, so he's pretty much saying that any guys that aren't buying in, either buy in or move out for the guy who's gonna buy in. Now this is such a great statement that we truly believe in, which is either buy in or go ahead and leave in peace and we'll bring in someone else to the situation that wants to buy in. We'll bring someone else to the team that wants to buy in. And the coach really putting that out there is showing that there's really no such thing as a third option, we call it, which is you either stay in joy, you jump in, you buy into our standards, you go through the process that we believe produces results, or you leave in peace. And by leave in peace, it is transferred to a school where you will choose to buy in because one of the most unaccountable, most unhappy places an athlete can be is in this third option where you stay in hate, you stay in sabotage, you stay in complain, you stay in armchair quarterback as the rest of the team's trying to improve and, and get the job done. This is a huge piece I think the coach is putting out there that sounds harsh, but when you think about it, there's actually no such thing as a third option. And so one way to be able to help facilitate this choice, if you are one of the leaders or you're a coach in this situation, is simply to put out the standards. And if someone is not buying in, just go straight up to them and say, you know what, we'd love to have you here. You know what's expected. What's your plan to get on board with the direction the team's going? And if the person says, you know what, I don't like it. I don't think I'm gonna get on board. And then a great question to ask is, well, what risks do you see with the game plan or with what we're trying to do? Or it's like, what do you see that is, is risky about what we're trying to do as a team? And if they say, you know what, I don't even wanna talk about that, I don't wanna think about it. Well, then the next question would be, well, then what's your plan to transition off our team? And that might shock an athlete. That might shock a team member. And they say, well, I'm not going anywhere. I actually love it here. We say, great, we'd love to have you involved. What's your plan to get on board and love our strategy and love our game plans and love our process? And they're like, again, I'm not gonna get on board. Well, then what's your plan to leave? And, well, I'm not going anywhere. Well, then what's your plan to get on board? And as you facilitate these questions as that leader and you just be very neutral and loving during it, but you stay with your boundaries, it usually dawns on both people that, that person thinks there's a third option that they can again stay in hate, stay in sabotage, stay and not buy in. See, there's no third option when it comes to a team. You either, again, stay in joy or you leave in peace. And so those questions are a hilarious way, an effective way to be able to facilitate a choice by that person that's not buying in to either buy in joyfully or leave to another team. Sometimes it's just they don't know any better. They don't know exactly how to buy in. They think they're buying in, but they don't really understand what truly buying in means. Now this is interesting and it's something I see a lot where you got to question if these athletes aren't quite sure what true buy-in means. And so I want to talk about what it means to truly buy into a cause or to a team or to a project or, or to whatever's going on. And so what buy-in really is, what commitment is, is the first factor of accountability. And I think this is a good time to talk about 
the four factors that make up a high state of accountability. So what buy-in is, is it's the willingness to do whatever it takes without conditions to get the results we see, which oftentimes in college football, it is wins, it is building a program, it is whatever those results are. And the thing about buy-in and commitment when you look at the research and when we study those that live in a high state of accountability is that it was actually a personal choice. It was a verb. It was something that the individual offers up as the first step of being involved with a team. And too often it's on the leaders to get people to buy in when You know, if you want to save that time, like four months of team building to get someone to buy in, what's funny about that is who has to buy in in the end? It's still the individual. The big key here is that buy-in every single day, every single play is always a choice. And so those that live in a high state of accountability know that buy-in's a choice. And they also know that buy-in means that they are buying in to an imperfect reality. And we'll talk about that in a bit. But once someone chooses to be all in and they know that there's no third option, then comes the second factor, which is resilience. And this is the ability to stay the course in the face of obstacles and setbacks. I was an ex-athlete. I played college and professional basketball. And I don't know about any of you that have been athletes, but does this thing called reality come in and really test your resilience and your ability to stay committed, whether that's schoolwork, whether that's injuries, whether that's all the things going on in life, it will test your commitments. And so resilience is really the ability to stay in given that imperfect reality that always comes our way. Once you're able to stay in, you do all you can to make it work, then comes the third factor, which is ownership. And this is the ability to see your part in things. And when we looked at those that live in a high state of accountability, this was actually just a nice, easy conversation. They could really just talk about what they did that helped or hindered, and they had a healthy sense of pride or guilt. And then the fourth factor is kind of a byproduct, which is continuous learning, which is when people get to this area of running through this process that anything that happens, success or failure, can be viewed as fuel for future success. And so given those four factors, I want to run this next subtle clip that talks about where people aren't sure what buy-in actually means. And this is very common. And they think they're buying in, but they don't really understand what truly buying in means. But what buy-in really is, is the ability to, to commit to the team without conditions to do whatever it takes to get the results we see. Here's what we often do in our own humanness when it comes to buy-in when we don't understand it. We say, I'm all in to do whatever it takes with the team as long as I get enough playing time, as long as I don't have any injuries, as long as they don't ask us to get up too early, as long as coach isn't too mean to us, as long as I don't have to change positions, as long as we're actually winning games, as long as there's support from the program, as long as my girlfriend's not mad at me, I'm all in as long as football still is fun for me. And what ends up happening is that people are very conditional on their buy-in. When you look at that huge list of conditions, are they truly bought in? They're not. And so this is where that piece about not understanding what buy-in really is comes in. I think it's because people are saying they're all in, but they have this big list of conditions on whether they're in or not. The moment one of those conditions is hit, guess what happens to resilience, the second factor? 
it goes down very fast, very little. Let's say they're not getting playing time. Let's say the team's losing. Let's say the academics is too much. We have just lost a lot of our buy-in because we've hit all these conditions. And so then comes ownership, the third factor. How's this feeling? How is it to own up to this when someone tries to hold me accountable? Very painful to own up to my part in that. Ownership is so painful when I was never truly committed in the first place. So if we truly wanna be all in, and bought in, we need to remove those conditions from the start and commit to succeeding in the reality the way it will be. And I don't know about you guys, but any student athlete I know has the, all of those same conditions they have to overcome and remove to stay committed. Now, another piece that this athlete's talking about is, you know, as leaders, we need to hold them accountable. You know, as, and as, as leaders, we have to step in and make sure we need to hold these guys responsible. So we need to set a good example and we need to hold them accountable. And as you heard of my breakdown there, it is almost impossible to hold someone accountable to something, ownership, when they were never truly committed in the first place. And so after we've talked about no third option and we're working to remove these conditions, how do we build that resilience? We actually have a tool for that that I want you guys to have, which is when someone is all in still, but they get stuck on obstacles, most athletes I see, they try to get persistent where they're gonna muscle through, they can do it all themselves. You know, I don't need to ask for help, I got this, and I'm gonna just power through my schoolwork and all these challenges. And what happens is they shut themselves off from all of the teammates and support network they have, and it's a very, bad way to approach these challenges. What we recommend is teaching these athletes about resilience, which is looking up and out and crowdsourcing for ideas from all their teammates, from all their advisors, from all of the support groups in their life for their tips to overcome these obstacles. Now this needs to be a positive network that they're constantly working on, but it's they ask for their one best tip to overcome the obstacles. When someone is persistent, they can maybe come up with like three or four things. Like they go to Google, they ask like their parents, maybe a friend, and they try YouTube. That's four things. But when you get resilient and you look up and out and you ask other athletes on the team, your veterans, those that have been there a long time, for their one best tip to overcome the challenges you're having with staying bought in, whether it's schoolwork, whether it is just the daily stressors of college life, then you start to get tons of ideas coming your way and you can get an entire list of ideas whether you do this activity with a, a whiteboard somewhere where there's a lot of foot traffic like in this, the athlete centers or if you do it you know, in a, in a Facebook message group. Just get all these ideas from people, their one best tip to overcome it and then start working that list. Now what happens when you're persistent and you try four things, you don't get very far, but when you're resilient and you get 35, 40 tips to try and overcome that obstacle, maybe it's an article, maybe it's a contact at the school, maybe it's a, a tutor. When you start working that list, how do you think ownership feels when you're all in and instead of doing four things, you did 50 things. When someone asks you, why didn't you get the results we seek? You'll be like, please, give me more info. I've tried these 50 things. What are your next best ideas? You'll start to become someone that is looking to own things up. You want to have that conversation. You're not defensive of when you're held accountable. And so if you're having trouble holding people accountable, so to speak, I can almost guarantee that it's because they were never truly bought in in the first place without conditions and that they didn't stay resilient and do all they could to make it work. 
they really step down quickly and that's why the ownership piece is so tough and we're having trouble really maintaining that standard. So I hope you found this helpful when it comes to buy-in, how to facilitate buy-in with your teams and how to really clarify what buy-in actually means so that we can get the results we are seeking. And I hope you like the part about accountability because that truly is just the end all for the results and happiness we're seeking in our sports and our careers. What another fun episode of the podcast. As I mentioned, please share this with anyone you think would find it valuable. If you know of anyone who is struggling with this idea of buy-in and they just feel like people aren't committed to the goals we're trying to achieve, please pass this on to them. Share the link, email it to them, pass it to them on social media. Let's get them through this challenge. It's, it's right there for us. We have the research. We have the tools to help them with that. I hope you guys know how appreciative all of your ears are that are taking the time to dive into this content and really digest it and then give me feedback about what's helping and what else I can dive into. So please keep that up. Let's all keep embracing reality with neutrality, living drama free. And I promise as we keep carving away this drama, it'll free us up for innovation, collaboration, all the things we desire. It'll keep coming. Just stick with it. I'll catch you next time.